hello, this is Guillermo del Toro, and you're listening to Out Now Podcast. Hello. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is... He's not here here yet. He might he might drop in later, but we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, that said, out now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss the movies weekly. However, it is October, which means that our is it our special bonus horror episodes. We spend the month having a lot of talk about various aspects of horror. Last week we talked about Candyman, which was a lot of fun. We talked about the Candyman series as a whole, uh, all of the films there. And this week we're going to do something similar by talking about the Omen franchise. That's right, all five omen movies <laughs> to think about how many there are and uh yeah that's that's the plan for this evening and joining us to discuss the omen series as a whole we have from joe blow look at him it's all for you it's jimmy o yeah it was all for me yeah exactly last time i had my maid do that yeah hey guys thanks for having me <laughs> for sure also joining us from the brandon <laughs> peters show and why so blue I don't know if he's the heir to the Thorn Millions or Jesus himself. It's Brandon Peters. Going to do a throwback here. Footloose Dominoes. If anyone remembers mm-hmm. from South Park. No. I, I know what you're going for. Thank you. And joining us from, for, from the Forgotten Films podcast, let's a wolf take a bite out of him. It's Todd Liebenau. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to have all of you guys here. Todd, how are you doing? It's been a minute since you've been on the show. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Con- considering, uh, you know, having to rewatch all the Omen movies, I'm doing doing real good. <laughs> well, good. That, that's <laughs> that's the spirit. And uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, positive experience for the most part. We'll get, we'll get there. there. Oh yeah. God, talk <laughs> about movies. Bumble, <laughs> stupid dumb things. But much like Candyman, there's a pretty clear trajectory, I think, as far as how we can talk about the Omen franchise. But we're going to do it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to hear some thoughts because there's there's a lot of things to talk about with the Omen. But that mm-hmm. is everything we're going to do here today. We're going to talk about all of the Omen films. So let's just let's just dive into it, guys. Let's excuse me. Let's talk about the Omen, the first entry in the series, the Omen 1976 from director Richard Donner, starring Gregory Peck, Lee Remick, David Warner, Leo McKern, and in this entry, Harvey Spencer Stevens as Damien. This film um, was a hit. <laughs> it, was a, it was a big movie. It came out, it put Richard Donner on. He was already on the map as far as like TV direction, I believe. But this is like really, you know, pushed him up into into a, into a higher level. Obviously, it goes on to Superman after this. But uh, the general plot is this a book or is it just the movie? It's just a movie, right? It's just David Seltzer. I, I think I think they released the. Yeah, I think I think they rushed a book version out after that's, the yeah, movie was such a success yeah. the movie like yeah usually a lot of times too the novelizations of the films would come out before the movie too so mm-hmm. technically it was a could be a book before but it's not like it was movies. it's not like a beloved text that was turned into a movie it's more it's from like, the original novel oh man it's the omen <laughs> um <laughs> so, like, my favorite uh no oh oh man part two starring mm-hmm. george burns no um no it's it's original concept Pretty much, I would say. Yeah. Well, oh. and I, I always forget that it was written by David Seltzer. Mm-hmm. I don't associate him with horror. Uh, I always think of David Seltzer with um, the 80s teen movie Lucas. Mm. Uh, because yeah. that was actually, that was shot in the area of the uh, Chicago suburbs where I grew up. 
I remember the summer of 85, they were filming that in the town next door to mine. Um, so I always think of him for that movie and uh, Punchline with Tom Hanks and Sally Field. Oh my God, uh, I yeah. I always forget that he wrote that he wrote The Omen. Hmm. There, there's yeah. another there's another interesting fact about him coming when we get to another film in this engine in this series but um you know that what he wrote, that he wrote your favorite actor kevin costner's dragonfly is that yeah no that's that's exactly what i was going to point out um <laughs> yeah. you know i i kind of forgot the idea was to kind of go over the series as a whole before we get into the individual movies so let's do that real quick i mean is do you guys have like any like general thoughts on on the omen as a franchise uh when it comes to the first three it amazingly feels like this was something planned out in okay. an odd way when they were just made as like, all right, let's do another one. The, it feels like a general, it's like it could have been based off a book series that was already written. Like it, it generally feels like the right progression, the right periods of time to take the story. And it feels like something that was planned out, but completely wasn't. But I mean, as a narrative through line through the first three films, the theatrical releases um, mm-hmm. it, it really actually feels like a thought out little thing and it's not maybe there's a chapter missing between two and three but it works <laughs> where they explain the the rapid aging and <laughs> things like that Damien the college <laughs> year Damien goes to college yeah we missed that one gosh mm-hmm. that would have been good Jimmy any general thoughts on the old one franchise uh it's 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 funny because uh rewatch it's been a while since i've i watched these movies um for good reason uh yeah it's 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 one that i you know i know they were the first three were fairly well done considering i mean they were fine for what they were uh, you know but uh it's never been one of my favorite franchises. <laughs> I think I own them all, but it's never been one of my favorites, to be honest. Fair enough. Todd? Yeah. I, I just mainly remember this being kind of one of those forbidden film series when I was younger. Um, mm. You know, like you'd hear about, I mean, keep in mind, I, you know, I grew up in a household where we didn't do R-rated movies till you were the right age, that type of thing. So, um you know, your friends on the playground would talk about this movie and the, where it's the Antichrist is here and he's a kid. And, you know, this is this is real stuff. You know, this is based on real stuff. You know, it was like one of those things, that, especially the Catholic school kids would go nuts over this one. This one and The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby, they took this stuff pretty seriously. So The Omen was always kind of one of those ones where it was like it felt like forbidden fruit because, mm. you know, all your your friends that were were catholic kids they uh they, they got really freaked out about these movies but the That's first cool. one i actually remember being exposed to was was the final conflict i remember mm-hmm. that um being mentioned as like uh you know ki- again kids on the playground trying to scare you about there's this movie and and the devil becomes the president you know which of course doesn't <laughs> happen in the movie but that was the way it was pitched that's, to me that's only reality years old. yeah <laughs> yeah that's real that's real life well it's funny like these movies like all like it's such an american thing to be like yeah the anti-christ would come to take over american politics like it'd be like oh yeah i mean they are pretty much has already so like this isn't really that shocking <laughs> right. 
it'll be interesting to talk about the remake when we get to it but i'll just say um i i had will not... it be though will it be interesting <laughs> yeah that's the point of this podcast but i will say that I... <laughs> he's gonna defend it just wait stay tuned folks you have to wait to the end of the episode oh my gosh well so excited. i will just say that i had little experience with this actual franchise because i just hadn't bothered to see the sequels before it wasn't until brandon actually you wrote your review of the scream factory release where i was like mm-hmm. oh apparently there's something worthwhile about at least some of these entries and so i you know finally checked it out for myself and uh we'll we'll get to it but there there's a lot of ideas going on here and uh i i i it's neat to see how this formula managed to work itself into multiple movies <laughs> so uh, well i mean yeah. like we we talk like this is if there's any like more modern franchises like like I I think like the Hammer Draculas and Friday the Thirteenth have a lot of similar things going on. This is definitely Final Destination, which we're going to be talking about in this series as well. But this is very very similar to that in terms of the structure of killing and how the devil does his work. Mm. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into that first movie now. As I already mentioned, the film, of course, uh, involves a. A U.S. politician, played by time played by Gregory Peck. Uh, he and his wife Lee Remick, they are set to have a child, but something occurs where the child dies uh, around the child's birth. Um, but a since they're in Italy, uh, <laughs> are, are they in Italy? Or are they in Vatican City? They're whatever. They're in, are they in Rome? Yeah. Regardless, there there happens to be a, <laughs> a, a a member of the church there who offers a. Offers Peck a, a child of his own to have that, and you know, no one ever, no one ever has to know. Um, so we can just switch a baby out, and uh, mm-hmm. as it as it grows, uh, strange things begin to occur, uh, and we you know learn more about it. The Omen, I feel like, is pretty recognizable, especially if you're listening to a podcast like this. You've probably seen The Omen. Um, so with, yeah, with that, let's get, let's just jump right in. Uh, Tom, start with you. What 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 are your thoughts on on this original Omen film? I like the first film. I think it's. Uh pretty solid when i compare it to like some of those other satanic panic movies we mentioned like rosemary's baby or the exorcist i think this is kind of the sleazier of the three but um but i think there's a lot of good things going on here i mean it's it's totally outlandish i mean the, the more i watch it especially what re-watching the original and then watching the remake shortly thereafter you know a lot of questions started to circle in my mind like you know did a jackal just happen to show up at the hospital and give birth? And that's how they got this baby. You know, I mean, how's that work? You know, I, you know, jackal adoption agency, I don't know, whatever, but uh, you know, I, I think there's, I, I think the, there, what's fun about this one is the shock moments work, you know, like, you know, we're not shy away from spoilers, I'm sure here, but you know, yeah, like the hanging, you know, that happens early in the film, uh, the greatest decapitation scene in the history of cinema, I think, uh, with David Warner's moment. Uh, you know, the scenes like that really work. And I think even uh, with rewatches, they continue to be kind of these shock moments that are that are a lot of fun. Um, I like Gregory Peck's kind of stiffness in this whole thing. He just seems so, um, like he's not up to the challenge, you know, of, <laughs> of, of parenting in general, let alone parroting the antichrist. Um, Does he have other know? horror movies on his, in his resume? No, this was new for him at the right. time. I believe it was like a really drat to see him in such a character role was a big, we would try to kill my son. Like something this it. genre, yeah. like he's done thrillers, obviously. I mean, he, yeah, he's he done has thrillers, Cape Fear, but... among other things, mm-hmm. but like, I can't pick, I can't 
I don't, yeah, there's nothing else that's like supernatural or something of that nature. That's yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, overall, I think, I mean, you can nitpick the heck out of the omen, but I think it's a, it's a fun uh, horror flick. And, you know, I mean, of course, big props to Richard Donner. I think, uh, you know, especially with him having passed recently when, when he, uh, passed away it just uh, i was flooded with the thoughts of the great experiences i've had watching his films from the goonies to superman and lethal weapon and, and the omen you know I, I don't think got talked about enough when when he passed i mean this is the one that kind of put him on the map and i mm. think it's just another thing that shows his versatility you know that you know the, when you think about all those other films that he's so well known for he, he made a solid uh, horror flick here so yeah mm -hmm. It it certainly fits in that kind of like you already had The Exorcist or what have you, so you already have like blockbuster horror films that are like made with adults, kind of, you know, like 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 prestige actors or what have you. But even then, like it's still you know this was this was his own beast as far as like it it certainly left a stamp. I mean, it got a bunch of sequels. Like it, it left its own jackal. stamp. It was <laughs> exactly it wasn't a beast. It was a jackal. Um, jackal. That you know it left its own kind of mark and its own legacy and yeah certainly a, a good opportunity for richard donner to just come onto the scene because i mean it's a it's a well direct it's a very directed movie like i i like the omen quite a bit i can't say that i love the omen but i do like it's a lot of fun to watch it like it's it's easier to put on the omen than certain other movies i like more just because it's it feels it's like a ride to an extent as far as just how it because of like brandon you mentioned the way the kind of the deaths are designed it has a kind of the way it uses that as tension, I think is a really fun way to kind of bring you into the film and the, you know, the Jerry Goldsmith score that will die. It's so big. There's like, there's so much happening on screen where despite aspects of the story and yes, the performances that are pretty silly, you just, kind of, it's a fun movie to go along with. So I, 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 right. I really enjoy it. It's very, it's a very fun movie to watch for me. And that's, that's generally where I like kind of sit with it. But uh, Jimmy, how about you? Where do you think of the first omen? I, you know, I, I think you guys are both hitting it. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a, out of all it's, it's, it has a, um, you know, there's a lot of movies that came out from the, the you know, talking about satanic panic and uh, people are, we're forgetting demon seed with Julie Christie. Come on, don't do uh but this movie is a it, it's fun and yeah it's a fun movie it's a fun thriller it's a solid solid performances considering it's kind of the camp factor is a bit high uh i like the kid i thought he was great for that time there's a lot of kid actors that weren't really that good or that scary in these kind of movies they They've they've improved that nowadays. Uh, it, but this kid was good. It was the kills were inventive, and again, I think credit goes to Richard Donner for making a really fun, enjoyable, you know, ride with the Antichrist. You know, but you mentioned the kid, and I I can agree. Like, yes, in a way, he's creepy. But what I think I distinctly like about him is that he's not necessarily like if you walked if you looked at him at random, you wouldn't think that's a creepy kid. And I yeah, think, exactly. And it, I think, they didn't. They didn't go that route. They didn't like force you the, uh, the, the kid. He's fine. He's a, he. He did a good job. He was. He was. He was a good choice. It's the. It's the thing. I the say, right look. It's the thing I would say, and we'll get to this obviously when we get to the remake. But it's the thing I say about a lot of the remakes. A lot of my issues with a lot of them is that the stuff that's creepy is so inherently creepy. Like the new Chucky doll looks creepy. 
the Damien looks creepy. The clown doll and poltergeist looks creepy. Where in the originals, all of that stuff seems like it's it could pass as just normal stuff. Like it doesn't necessarily seem like it's going to attack you. It's just the movie needs it to attack you. So like having and I know I get and I I get that they're remakes, so you're walking into it knowing you're going to get something scary. But at the same time, it's like you lose something by making it seem so deliberate compared to just having it feel you know average that becomes something out of normal but yeah it's more the atmosphere and the mood of the film that makes him creepy than just the kid himself Mm -hmm. you know what i mean no obviously and the haircut the haircut haircut, yeah the haircut for sure and obviously Mm. obviously as the film goes on and you're more aware of what's taking place it builds a certain level of understanding of like okay this kid i can't trust like you know second he gets on a little tricycle i'm like no thank you get out get out of my way but uh, brandon where are you with the omen it's a really fun little spooky movie like i mean it really like donner really has a setting that's uh got this gothic haunting thing that uh while this movie is where rosemary's baby leaves off but in the vein of the exorcist it has its own look to it it's not deeply um knocking one or the other off but it's just you know the, the the product of having those two already come out uh and it's just it's one of those chilling classic haunting tales to just watch play out uh i really love this kind of um yin and yang of uh character actor pass off that happens here with like the first half of the movie uh you have patrick troughton as the priest um going uh he he's pretty high camp there with i i love pat he's the second doctor doctor who uh this is probably his most mainstream thing aside from some hammer movies he was in um that people would know but he's pretty high and then you switch to david warner for the back half and he's got like kind of another thing going on but um and he's kind of fun to follow as well um meanwhile great gregory pecks pecks the straight man in the middle of it and uh you have to watch him turn throughout which is he takes a while he takes a while (laughs) but uh i mean it's it's really it's it's uh genuinely uh spooky with the stuff things are naturally happening uh the the hanging scenes creepy the Mm -hmm. beheading scene the uh, the i think in terms of like classic horror moments of all time it's got a couple of them within one film sure but one that works like that feels just like oh tis the season of horror is when they go dig up the graves that's just kind of the reveal in the coffin and like i think it's funny todd like i don't think they ever expected anyone to think deeply about the jackal it was just it's mentioned (laughs) by patrick troughton early on like what and then with david warner later you Mm. see the skeleton be like oh that's that they said jackal and that's you're supposed to stop and just be like, yeah. oh, that's something satanic, the end. But yeah, when you think about it, like a lot of things like that, you're like, oh, well, well, how does this work? But in terms of shock value, spookiness, and you're watching it the first time, you probably maybe having coffee discussing the movie after you think about that. But that that whole sequence is a, like it's a fun set. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, and, but it, it graveyard, is, like all that. Like It's the kind of thing where I, like it, it feels like the movie really wants you to be in on the joke. As far as it never feels like they're in some foreign land. It feels like that whole setup feels like, okay, so that you know, beyond these mansions or whatnot that they're living in, here's the soundstage where they filmed this set. But it's so fun because it's so many like mm-hmm. different layers to what's going on there between the atmosphere and the score. And they get to the graves, start to get up the graves, they see what's inside the graves, and the wolves attack. It's like, they got a lot of use out of this set. <laughs> this, 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 oh, they're just nailing it. This thing. 
they got the wind they yeah. got the you know it, it's just and that's donner that's mm-hmm. donner doing his thing like that's yeah. you know i have other thoughts on the other films obviously but like they don't reach this level just for me because of how much donner's putting into the direction of this film mm-hmm. like i i, I really yeah. that's easily a key aspect to what's going on here 100 uh, percent. he's the reason why this movie works well, that's why we were well talking it about it today, and it has sequels, is because talent was behind it. It wasn't just some other knockoff. Yep. Which is, to be fair, something the sequel, or at least at least two of them, one for sure, three maybe, they try to replicate that to some degree by giving it the level mm-hmm. of like, we have real people involved in this. Like, we're trying, right, yeah. we're trying yeah. to do something yeah. here. Something I, yeah. to back up a bit, something I kept judging these movies on as I was watching them was how histrionic are the priests and stuff in trying to communicate what's going on with Damien to the father or to whoever's in charge because the three you know he comes in to Gregory Peck at like an 11 and I'm thinking you can't do that you can't like run up to him and say (laughs) your son's gonna kill you it's like you gotta you gotta slow down man you make an appointment to get to this guy you walk there's no time um, there is time though. There's a whole movie. There's no there's, time. There's time. <laughs> no, there's a rush, man. Hey, Aaron is a rush. He's he's just pushing it too hard. You get he's giving him a a, a a quick sell here, and it's like you gotta you have to let you have to pepper some of this in. You can't just walk up to Gregory Peck of all people. Maybe some other actors. Gregory Peck though is like you said what now about my wife and like like no I got you hold on like I have other meetings to go to. And helps then, you helps you be compassionate with Gregory Peck being like I wouldn't believe this guy or I yeah I, yeah oh yeah. But I'm also yeah. thinking, like, if the fate of the world is on, on you know, like, I get being stressed out, but you got to slow your roll, dude. Like, you got to come in there a little softer. But anyway, that's 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 mm-hmm. just part of the fun I had watching all these movies because they kept there are different degrees of this. Some of them are mm-hmm. they yeah. have a better they have a better way of handling like how to bring up the fact that your you know your child is the spawn of Satan. Like, there it's uh, it's not you know with doctors it's a bedside manner. What is it with a priest? I mean, well, confessional there's... habits. I don't. Perhaps. <laughs> I, think still, I think the same term probably still applies. <laughs> bedside <manner>. Confessional, <laughs> confessional charisma. How's this confessional? There charisma? you go. There, there you go. go. We can go with that. We can go along with that. I like it. Let's talk about some of the deaths in this movie because it certainly uh, goes for broke um, when it needs to. Again, aside from like, I'll keep mentioning it, but The Exorcist. Are there other like? big movies like this that like have these kind of elaborate i guess jaws like are there any other like big at this time that they're like really going for it because they have like the budget that aren't like the grindhouse yeah they things? aren't like the big grindhouse things but i mean something like yeah. a, you know a big a big studio delivering a horror movie that like any i mean even the omen comes from the because it's you know it's religious horror essentially so like are there other movies like that at that time? like jaws is the only example i can think of like a big studio that big one yeah i, I mean i can think this of is 70 smaller one yeah i know smaller ones yeah sure. this is 76 like i'm trying to think um, of other things which is yeah, kind of my point yeah. because it's like it feels like it's ahead of its time in that way as far as like it, it it's you know it has you know gregory peck is in this supernatural horror movie which is gory it has people getting their heads chopped off and stuff. It's like that's insane. <laughs> that's that's wild to think about. Which I'm sure is what I mean, learned to the audience. I don't remember how uh, how 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 big it was and how well it did. I pr- believe it did well. The Changeling at George C. Scott. I was wondering if Changeling. You know, how, ghost far, how much further it was, back it was in the seventies is that? You know? yeah. yeah, that yeah. was nineteen eighty. So that was. That's yeah. Not, yeah, I thought that yeah. was later. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Well, anyway, the deaths. The deaths of this thing. We got. We have a number of them. We we have we have the uh, the first 
was it nurse <laughs> maid nanny nanny yeah, something like that. house mm-hmm. housekeeper put it that way um that's a great you that what i like there is that it's like a great use of sound where it's you know she's she's screaming damien you know it's all for you and it's like it's not just that she hangs herself it's that she hangs her she jumps off the thing and she bursts through the window and everyone's screaming that's just that's it's a really it's a really big death it's it's really it's Mm -hmm. and it comes pretty early on so it really sets things with emotion yeah it's it's haunting too like and i always I always it's in my vernacular like I'll, I'll I'll use the it's all for you at some point randomly multiple times through the year I will I'll do something like that like at work or something yeah, if I do something for somebody it's all for you so and so coming from I feel the like that's that scene has been like there's been so many homages to it there's been there's been parodies of it it's such a popular you know like you don't I, I think most people that are of a certain age know what that scene is know exactly where it's from know exactly the moment it happens it's a very iconic moment that it and it's i mean you're thinking about it, it's a children's party man yeah that's how how <laughs> messed up is that whoa devil's a big a children's party you know with yes. merry-go-rounds and crud like that you know there's there's almost that that uh little jealous streak that would go through most parents like well at least my kid's birthday party didn't have a hanging at it you had a merry-go-round but you know i mean they're at the they're at the thorns they're a fan they're a privileged family they should just be happy to be there right they just be like oh we got invited to the thorn the thorn kids birthday party let's do this there's a bounce house (laughs) and score some political points you know balloon animals rub some elbows and a hanging yeah right before cake (laughs) <laughs> i would have liked well, to see I, some of that in the sequels like a real focus on the trauma that these kids have suffered growing up. <laughs> <laughs> well we talked earlier about just you know the creepiness of things and and, the, and i always find the the nanny or you know whatever you want to call her just to be so creepy when you have that shot of her standing on the edge of the house there's just i don't know i mean it it, it seems like there's almost a change between when we see her a few seconds earlier Mm -hmm. and then when she's on there she's got like this sunken look in her eyes and things like Mm -hmm. that it just and and yet at the same time is is faking this gleeful expression as she yells to damien as such it it is you know very unsettling it's a a committed performance for how short she's in the movie it's really Mm -hmm. really good it's like uh, it's like yeah. she's hit by some smilex from the Joker, you know. She just got yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, and that's or the classic half. Uh, what was that? Um, Truth or Dare, that amazing film that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, two key, two two very obvious references to make: the Joker and Truth or Dare from Blumhouse. <laughs> yes, amazing film. What a classic film! I'm I'm so not telling the truth here. That's but the, the thing that terrible. sets her off is that dog, right? The dog that got like it's like just sitting in the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which becomes like a recurring movie. Blame the dog, Aaron. Blame the dog, right? I am going to blame not the fair. dog. Dogs are scary <laughs> in the Omen universe. <laughs> like, dogs, mean, dogs mean bad. Anything on four legs means bad news in these Omen movies. That is that's a good point. This is yeah. It's true. <laughs> what about some of the others what else happens the priest dies talk about the priest dies. oh yeah because he's uh-huh. got the there's the premonition from uh david warner's uh photographs where you can see that something bad's going to happen and there's like a streak that goes through him and uh a rod gets struck by like lightning or whatever and shoots right through him. And he's like standing up but like leaning back but held up perfectly 
uh, by it. It's a pretty cool looking looking thing and and creepy enough on its own right. He doesn't do anything to get out of the way. It no. looks like he's got time, no. but he doesn't. No. Oh, and he gets hit. You would him. think he'd want to like maybe move just a couple feet. Yeah, he probably could have done that. Just he takes a few inches, you know. <laughs> Another thought about the the old like if if you're involved in this there's really no saving you like there's not much of a chance of you surviving these omen movies like the odds are not in your favor well yeah. not if you're not gonna move <laughs> it doesn't help and yeah that is but the way they always incorporate like journalists or what have you to kind of like we need a way to track the like right. we need a way to give the the mean the main character some kind of assistance in understanding what's going on, or else he's just gonna be oblivious the whole movie. And so yeah, we have like David Warner this time. We have pictures to develop, and yeah, like you said, there's the these kind of eerie marks on all the photos and everything. Like that's fun. That's a fun way to mm-hmm. uh, to mm-hmm. to keep establishing things. Um, what else? What's the what's the other death? I know we're well, I don't David want to spend Warner, time on all the deaths, but yes, the David Warner. Talk about David Warner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's well, like I said, yeah. I. I, I kind of think this is the best decapitation in movie history for me anyway. Um, and I think part of what I love about it, number one, it's, it's great practical effects, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, again, if you're going to take your Blu-ray and freeze it, I mean, yeah, it's pretty cheesy or whatever, but yeah, I, it, it, in the moment it's great. Mm-hmm. And I think part of what I find so great about it is that the whole movie David Warner's my favorite character. I've been rooting for David Warner the whole thing. Right. And then suddenly, you know, he loses his head. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's it's a shocking moment for the audience. E- even when I rewatch it, you know, I know he's going to gonna lose his head, but I still, uh, still have a little bit of jump when I see that scene. And it's slow-mo, perfect coverage, and it spins going forward off of him. That's so great. And it's and it does a Jackie Chan style where you get multiple angles. Yeah, <laughs> you, you get, yeah. You, it's like, guys, <laughs> did you see this fucking decapitation? Replay it again. It's again. Yeah, well, it's yeah. a big turning point too in that film with his death. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, no one else believe will believe Christopher or Gregory Peck or Thorn. So he's all on his own and he's got to put up or shut up, I guess. So, yep. This is right after the wife bites it, and then Warner bites it. And then it's go time. That's the other thing about the inevitability of death in these movies. It's they're very mean <laughs> because there's no, there's not much stopping what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're, you're pretty much doomed if you're in one of these photos to begin with. And, but like things like, yeah, the wife where Damien, you know, knocks her over and ha- like, and she gets it the worst pretty much. She gets like, not only does she suffer the fall, then like she gets killed later on in the movie. And it's, you know, another fall that's even worse. It's like, jeez, this movie really hates Lee Remick. Uh, <laughs> poor Lee Remick. What else? What else let's say about the old movie before we got to move? Because we have four other movies to talk about. Um, you mentioned Gregory Peck, Todd, and he does have a, he certainly brings a, pre- a presence because he's Gregory Peck. His eyebrows are better than most actors. But like the, the nature of <laughs> someone of his stature, someone that's, you know, you know, eight foot five, has all the authority in the world look you know looks good in the suit and he's like dealing with like my son like what is what's going on here but he i agree with you it's stiff but also he's gregory peck like it's not you know he's well, not phoning it in necessarily it just feels like oh no it's awkward when i 
when I say he's stiff, I think it it totally fits the character. Sure. Like I said, I think mm-hmm. I think that he he presents this this attitude that seems like he's completely ill-equipped to be a parent. He's yeah. you know this guy that's involved in politics and you know he negotiates with world leaders and what have you and you know shows up at work every morning looking very proper and like he's got it all together and you know when it comes to dealing with a kid he, he's you know he's complete loser you know so so i think that you know he just looks like he couldn't couldn't possibly handle you know doing legos with a kid let alone trying to you know stop his kid from destroying the world although that that seems to be a common thing in all horror movies parents just suck (laughs) (laughs) true in in these ones it's a half and half or like the mother is it's been the 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 second one also like the mother's like very it seems more involved where the father like barely has any screen Mm. time with the child despite having made like the most important decisions involving like how to get this child to begin with it's like he's he hardly talks to him hardly interacts with him and it's a lot of and it does that creepy kid movie thing and i like creepy kid movies because they tend to get to me because it's they're frustrating it's it's a mix Mm. of creepy kids doing stuff or is involved in things and only like one person believes what's happening where everyone else is just oblivious to it. So like I'm sitting there stressed out because it's like, I know, and I can't yell to these characters uh, about what's happening. Um, well, that's the thing about creepy kid movie is, isn't it? Part of the whole thing is that, mm-hmm. you know, nobody believes the kid is capable of what the kid is doing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, let, let's move on. Let's get, let's get to the, let's get to the, the sequel. This is where we get to the Rocky style naming convention, or I guess the Omen style naming convention when it comes to Rocky, uh, or Rocky Rambo. Sorry, excuse me, the Rambo naming convention. Uh, so now we have Damien colon Omen two, uh, nineteen seventy eight. Uh, it well, it was going to be directed by Mike Hodges, who was then fired, and Don Taylor took over. Uh, this one stars William Holden. <laughs> Why not? And Lee right. Grant, <laughs> and features Jonathan Scott Taylor as Damien um so let's talk about some of these things first up william holden uh was approached for the first film and he turned it down <laughs> he was like no thank you uh, I, have t- I, have, I have oscars i don't need this <laughs> go to greg go to gregory uh he has one <laughs> that's all <laughs> <laughs> but that, i mean the movie was a hit got good you know decent reviews it wasn't an amazing review. regardless it was a hit and he's like all right Guess I'll sign on for this one, and he did. Sure. And uh, and Lee Grant uh, coming along mm-hmm. for, as his wife. Uh, Lee Grant was, I I guess she's she passed like because she was blackballed for a while, right? Because of the whole, uh, um, uh, yeah, the the red scare, the red mm-hmm. thing, the red yeah. scare, the, the whole I don't want to tell people that they're communist thing. <laughs> right. I guess you can't cast me in movies now. I guess she's back uh, at this point. I guess she is right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. she's worked with like Beatty a lot and everything too. So. Uh, but yeah, uh, this movie. Let's go over it. Brandon, what are your thoughts on on Damien Colon Omen 2? I really like Damien Omen 2. Uh, I do. And I've uh, long been a fan of this one. I didn't see it for like the longest. Like, I think I watched the Omen when I was much younger. I don't think I watched Omen 2 till like later. It wasn't like, oh, Omen, I'm going to go get Omen 2. But I think this one gets very close as you can to the first one in terms of enjoyment, what it is. Um, it's got some rad deaths um in there well one one big time one um i think it's the silliness factor comes in because it's a sequel and it realizes that some of the things that it liked about the first one was uh the the deaths uh there's a young lance henriksen here 
um, yeah. who, who winds up being a Satanist. Surprise, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I do like Jimmy. Don't like Lee Grant, but I like what she's bringing here, and I sure like I sure love her. Hey, I like her. I just <laughs> she's, I, a, she's not a nice character. I know, and I, I love I love the fate that she had. Like she. Well, like I love the story of her defending Omen or Omen. His name's Damien. Damien <laughs> Omen. Um, His middle name. Yep. Uh, I love this storyline where they have her character of not feeling worthy or finding um, finding a relation in Damien uh, to herself to defending him all the way to murdering somebody to save him uh, in the end. And he's just like, "Thanks for the thanks for the hand." And she- lets her burn in the end which is just pretty cool and this this whole thing of him having to as a character damien having to accept like this is my fate or be okay with it or something was a neat little uh twist to bring in there rather than just having him be evil he's kind of conflicted or learning his evil a bit more and that he's not going to be able to be this nice kid and be able to be regular and be evil. And it's a, it's an interesting twist uh, in something that could have been a lot more exploitative and um, yeah, go right that, for it. That's a good, like, that's why my curiosity was in watching the sequel. It's what, what do you do with Damien? Does he like, how aware is he? And I do like that the film tries to give you this kind of struggle uh, for him. Like, you know, like he clearly he he knows certain things but is he accepted of that is he all down with it and i mean more or less yeah that's the answer to that question mm-hmm. but it, it's still a neat like yeah how do you follow this movie up okay you age him up these movies all take place in the future basically as far as when they came out versus what what's going on with damien right um but i i agree with you that i i like it uh, quite a bit more than i thought i would um because mainly just because I, I don't know what story there is to tell here i, I you know you you end that other aim, the, the the previous omen and it's pretty wouldn't say necessarily definitive but it's like it's just a you know it ends dark right and this one's like mm-hmm. so so where do you go from there and i think they find some creative things to do with that it does help that again it has i mean it has william holden as lee grant has like professional people like around and i there are some inventive ideas as far as what to do with the horror aspect of it all mm-hmm um this one has the the um another is another birthday party but but the or is it just like a party but it's the ice skating thing right the um right oh yeah i think just it's just like it's just like a party just like a party hey we're playing ice skating just just a damien family gathering yeah (laughs) no (laughs) but it it has it has some fun stuff in there um so yeah no i i i enjoyed this one um jimmy how about you where where are you the omen two uh it, it it and so the decline begins um it it's it was fine it was fine i think the watching it now uh yeah the you know they up the body count there's a mm-hmm. you know you have a sequel you gotta have more deaths uh they were a little silly to be honest i was kind of like it's fine it, it's a, you know i any sequel that i feel is so below the original but still entertaining i always think it's a jaws 2 this is a jaws 2 that's exactly what this is it's 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 fine it's got stuff in it you've got some decent performances and elite grant is good at this shit she's great at i i love visiting hours man don't mm-hmm. don't knock mm-hmm. that movie yeah, she's yeah, awesome yeah. shatner that yeah that's yeah yes yeah, that I movie's like that awesome yeah. and she yeah. she fucking carries that movie so uh i i 
there was a lot of stuff I enjoyed with this film. I think I, but yeah, the the murders are a little comical. I mean, come on. We, I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. but it, it well, it's like it's coming least... off the first. It's like the first film. I mean, it's yeah, it's earnest, but it knows what it's doing. Yeah. This film is they like, had... well, why, why would we dial that down? Like, it's yeah, and it, you know, you mentioned the kid. Like we were talking about how you know in the first film he he's just this unassuming kid he's just like but he, there's that evil and in, in the, the atmosphere this kid is now we're getting into the i'm evil <laughs> as he grow, gets older and you can just it's it's fine it's 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 again not my favorite it's probably the one of the better sequels in this franchise but uh yeah it's all right not it's kind of forgettable to be honest it's not my favorite Fair enough. Todd, how about you? Yeah, I don't know that I'm as high on it as the other guys are. I uh, There are aspects of this that I appreciate, but there's also aspects of this that really kind of bore me. Uh, I kind of go up and down on Omen 2. Um, it, it does definitely... I, I think it recognizes that the moments everybody remembered from the first one were those shocking deaths, and it really tries to build those up more. Uh, I, I think where that doesn't work as much as I don't have uh, as much invested in some of the characters that, that are, that pass in these dramatic ways. I mean, like you have the, um, the reporter uh, who, you know, gets attacked by the crow and, and, you know, hit by a truck and all that stuff. And yeah, you're watching that go, Oh, this is wild. This is kind of cool. But I'm going, we were just introduced to this character like three minutes ago. And, you know, I don't really have anything invested in her. Um, Same thing with, I mean, nobody's mentioned Meshach Taylor. Okay. It's Meshach Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) One of the, probably the most dramatic death of the whole thing. And, you know, it's like they bring in this doctor who starts to get a little curious just so they can dramatically kill him five minutes later, you know? Uh, I mean, it's a cool scene, but again, it's like, all right, well, let's bring in a a, a character we can get rid of quickly in dramatic fashion. Um, I do agree with Brandon though, that the, the whole kind of conflicted, uh, attitude that Damien has at times in this is is an intriguing aspect. I wish they had done a little bit more with it, but I, I like that he's kind of, you mm. know, trying to come to terms with, you know, I, I'm evil and I can't help it. You know, I have to be that way. Um, you know, the the scene with his uh, cousin that uh, at the end of the film, where you know the cousin who's more like a brother to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a a painful sequence, and, and I think they pull that off pretty well. I, I think. I, I just wish there had been a bit more uh, more of that drama with, with his conflicted mindset, uh, you know, done a little bit better throughout the film. So, you know, I like the high points of the film, but other parts of it uh, do bore me a bit. I can see that. The, the, the highs, I do think, are, that's what you're coming for. And I do think that, you know, it's not the first movie. And you, I mean, all respect to Don <laughs> Taylor, but I mean, it's not Richard Donner doing this again. Although you still have the Jerry Goldsmith score, which is, you know, that's great. Like, so I'm, glad that, I'm glad that's there. It makes it as big as possible. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Let's talk about some of these deaths. What are some of the memorable deaths in this movie? The elevator. The elevator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the one uh, where he gets, uh, it crashes down, but then the wires come and split him in half. Mm-hmm. That one's yeah. cool. And yeah. I'm sure the semi-truck is worth mentioning. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> This one likes cashing in on the it. It goes even further with the kind of 
you're seeing all the pieces come into place and everything then it, you know it's like a big old uh, rube, goldberg. rube goldberg device that springs its trap on you um this one also i mean briefly but you have another journalist this time around but she gets killed by birds um, and a truck <laughs> her <laughs> eyes get pecked out and then she's like ah! yeah. <laughs> it's fun stuff um this one does i mean i mean you mentioned um lee grant and like her devotion to damien well it's like she, she's she's one of them like that's the like the reveal it's the twist mm-hmm. Which I enjoy. I enjoy that this movie has no. a twist. Yeah. Because I honestly I didn't know it was coming. I didn't know it's like, oh no, she's one of them. Like that's crazy. That's that's, that's a fun way to <laughs> to do it. Like it, it's these even numbered ones. They both like the fourth one also has like a twist of sorts. Like it's mm-hmm. if you know if you have the ending of that first one with Gregory Peck, you know, racing to kill Damien and then you know then he gets murdered or whatnot. It's a dark ending. It was like, well, how do you top that? Well, you add some wrinkles to it, right? Well, the, the Lee Grant reveal is a lot. She's a lot different character than the Mrs. Blaylock one from the the first one, who's yeah. just like, oh, Damien. She's this seems more compassionate, more human in her, um, the way she's around Damien, the way she defends him and stuff. And to, it, to where you know it is a twist, mm-hmm. but like the the last one was like, okay, that woman's evil. There's she doing yeah. something, and she's just really overprotective. So there's no like surprise or anything with that. Yeah, Brandon, I actually, uh, it's, you hit it. She's, she's a mother figure and mm-hmm. mother stands for comfort. By the way, a Kate Bush song. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I had to, I had to, but no, you have a character that she's, she is, she's, she's protecting the kid. She's protecting the kid. She's, she, it, it, it borders on her being a mom and her being psycho, basically. And she does a good job. She's good at this shit. Any other thoughts on that? Well, I know, okay, so we mentioned the director change. Uh, Mike Hodges was apparently uh, going too slow. Like, the studio wasn't happy with kind of the flow was his direction. He was making things too easy, and they just weren't liking the, you know, the process. Uh, So they brought in Don Taylor. I know there were some um, disagreements from what I've read and watched as far as the shift in direction. I know Lance Hendrickson in particular was he was much happier with Hodges and he felt like he didn't give a good performance uh, under the kind of the new regime that came in and kind of regrets well, what he was able to do. They don't let Lance Henriksen do a heck of a lot. It's kind of like right. you're watching it going, Oh, it's Lance Henriksen. And then you go, Oh, he didn't really do much. Did he? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Right. This is, I mean, this is the Lance Henriksen that would have a, you know, non-speaking part uh, like the year <sighs> before in, um, close encounters so he, he's like there and not and then he's in that uh the visitor like right around here too where he's got a lead or oh, big relief yeah. kind of role but so it's like depends on the project how much activity you give him or something so this is kind of in between a close encounters and the visitor in terms i guess of prestige maybe where this is probably this is an yeah. a picture going out by the studio but not like not high hopes like the first Oma would be I, i'd imagine where is my visitor too, man? That movie was amazing. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's move on. Let's get to let's get to the get to the third film, Omen Three, the final conflict, which was released as just the final, the final conflict, conflict, which yeah. is mm-hmm. yeah, that's a bit silly, but yeah, it is. <laughs> 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 so this one, this is 1981, but 
it stars Sam Neill as an adult Damien. Um, mm-hmm. It's directed by Graham Baker, by the way. And seemingly only Graham Baker. The, 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 only, the only sequel that didn't have a director change. Um, now Damien, Damien <laughs> is he's in his 30s, if I'm correct, which makes this movie set in, what, 19... 19- <laughs> or no is it 2000 since it's 2000 well yeah. see though i think that in the movie they actually kind of re uh finagle the the dates of the original because i think they talk about hmm. damien having been born in like i think they say 1950 something and uh, you know so um so yeah they they play with the dates big time uh with this yeah. so i yeah. Right. This is like they do with Friday the 13th. They always uh, use the first, the original as, as happening, like the year they were shooting it, not the year it came out. So they try to buy mm-hmm. themselves time with that. All right. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> trying to get, trying to think of like what to say about the open three. So we get, so, okay. So we have some time setting. <laughs> we have Sam Neill. Uh, this time around Lisa Harrow and Rosano Brazi come in. Still Jerry Goldsmith score. Um this plot follows Damien, his his continued rise to power, where now he's not only trying to set himself up as higher in the political sphere, but also he's formed a formed a massive following. He has a lot of people working under him that are very aware of his mm-hmm. his status in, in in the in the scheme of things. Um, this would also we haven't talked about this much at all, but there's the people in Megiddo, of course, that ha- and the Megiddo daggers. Uh, yep. the, the one thing that can kill Damien. Um, mm. While it's generally been one priest that comes along and tries to do it, this time we have like a team of priests. We have a super team of, of the priests holding the Megiddo daggers. And um, they, they have a, a plot to finally get to Damien. And, They've been and- getting auctioned off. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. we just have Leo McKern in the original with it. And then I think he's, yeah, he's the opening kill in the second. So. Which is an elaborate, we didn't talk about this, it's an elaborate opening kill of the second one, where like, he and another, it's one of the other like, what, archaeologists slash scholars mm-hmm. and yeah. they go down into the, the caverns of Megiddo, and uh, they find like all the sculptures and things, but then I guess the devil <laughs> interferes and buries them all <laughs> with the yep. It's a lot. It's a lot that happens. Um, That's a funny scene, by the way. That is a hilarious scene. Mm. There's a lot of two say. guys like moving around and <laughs> acting like the, the ground is shaking around <laughs> as they get buried. <laughs> that's, that's the best oh. kind of It's a lot of play. So a, lot good. Of, a lot of make-believe on the actor's part. That's Bella Lugosi, Bride of the Monster <laughs> right, right Let's there. shoot this that's effort. really amazing. <laughs> But this time around, yeah, we have we have this we have eventually a, a team of super priests that are not talented at all and actually very terrible at their their job um, that all plan mm-hmm. to to get after get after Damien, who's of course uh, running, you know, try he he get he what he positions himself as the U.S. ambassador to Great Britain, like he does all this stuff to kind of get himself into a, a stronger place in power. Um, Jimmy, let's start with you. Where, where are you with the omen with omen with the final conflict? It's weird because I feel like when I first saw it, I kind of liked it. I liked, like, I really liked Sam Neill. Like, I, w- I became a fan part- partly because of this film, because I saw it really young as a kid. But it's one that I've noticed it doesn't hold up incredibly well. Um, it's uh, one that I think it's an interesting idea. It, it's a great idea, the idea of, uh, you know, some some evil man with these horrible powers 
becoming a world leader. That's kind of oh wait, that's true. Uh, that that happens in real life. But no, it's 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 such a. I like Sam Neill a lot. That was my thing. I liked Sam Neill. I thought it was a little ridiculous. I thought it was a little boring. I, I it, it is a step down from the second one. I feel like they just keep going down and down and down. We'll go on to that later. But I, there were things about it, like with the, like with, especially with the second film, there were moments that I enjoyed. Uh, I did like the ending was kind of okay, fine. The the dagger thing was fine, whatever. Uh, it it's weird. It doesn't hold up super well. It just doesn't hold up upon revisiting. And I, you know, I re rewatched it, and I'm like, wow, this is very dull. And very aside from Sam Sam Neill being kind of charismatic and being good at, as the Antichrist, I wasn't a huge fan. Uh, Brandon, how about you? James Oster from Jobo.com says, "I like Sam Neill. Go see The Omen." Um, yes, <laughs> I have to agree. There's something there on paper that isn't there in execution with this one because it's got a really mm-hmm. cool concept. I like the assassin. Like this is it. This is the final conflict. Let's go after him. And you got all these guys got one dagger a piece. Somehow it doesn't work out. Uh, yeah, Sam Neill is very good, uh, but I, I don't I don't know where it. Is. Maybe it's because it's lacking in the campy deaths or something like that. Um, I I don't I I don't know. It, it's something. This one. I hate to sound like some ADD kid nowadays, but like it. It's harder. It it has to, it, it has to work harder. It doesn't work hard enough to keep attention. It's kind of just, yeah, okay. Well, I like you know I like what I like what's essentially being told, but just it's kind of like eh, to watch it. And after the first two, it it feels like a shift. Um, maybe they could have shifted it and made it more of an action movie thriller rather than trying to think they had to be horror at the same time. I don't know. Uh, this well, was, it feels okay. like it, it digs deeper into the supernatural side, or at least the religious right. side. Like, it yeah. Like oh it, no, it, it wants, goes way. In. I mean, you, yeah, like it, it, it talks wants, to Jesus. In. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it gives you those scenes, which are they're good as far as like Sam Neill acting. They're good. Oh scenes. yeah, yeah. No, like I said, there's stuff there. It's just somewhere in this, it's just not as not as interesting to to watch or ain't like I could pop in Omen too easy and watch again, but this one's like. I guess I watched the first two. I'll just cap this off. But, um, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm with Jimmy. I'm not a fan of this movie. Uh, having watched it now, it's, it has its, it has its moments. There's a peak bit where, <laughs> where Damien has every person that was born on the same day as him murdered and it's like well that's mm-hmm. a fun that's that's an idea <laughs> that's that's doing take something. that michael corleone and then it has <laughs> this, and then it does this thing where it's like you're still not entirely sure like if he got them all which is neat like there's there's some ambiguity there as far as what it's trying to do with with that um and there's you know there's a definitive ending to this film which is also you know given that we've built up to this point at least from my perspective, just because I'm, you know, they already exist, so I'm watching them after the fact, which made me wonder what the hell is the fourth one going to do, which we'll get to. But um, <laughs> I, I, I like that it, like, oh, so it reaches a conclusion. There's a kind of, uh, <laughs> there's an ending to all of this that's not as bleak as the previous ones, despite all the, you know, child murder that happens. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's stuff there, but yeah, overall, yes, it's, it is a, 
it's it's like an hour and 48 minutes like it's fairly long for a movie of this kind besides sam neill there's not a lot going on as far as the other performances go and yeah there's a you know the while some of the kill scenes are fun enough um, this is one of the TV scene, right? Like the attempted to, yeah, because these priests suck, mm-hmm. so they have like their failed, their botched assassination attempts. Um, yeah, it's you know, there's not a lot, of, a lot of stuff in between that that really carries this movie in the in a way that's, you know, obviously not as successful as the first one, and not nearly as successful as, or not as successful as the second one, not nearly as successful as the first one. But um, yeah, Todd, where are you with? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with anything you guys have said. At the same time, I I still think there are enough moments that entertain me with the film. I think most of that is, like we said, it's Sam Neill. I mean, it's kind of wild to watch him this early in his career. I mean, this is, I think, really kind of the film that probably introduced him to American audiences oh, yeah. for the most part. You know, yeah. and uh, you know, you watch it today, and there's there's moments where you go, wow that's Sam Neill. He's way above the pay grade of the rest of this movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then there's, there's also moments and you go, wow, Sam Neill, you're really camping it up here. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the the whole, uh, you know, you know, the, the moments, especially as the film draws to its conclusion, where he's doing the whole, can you hear me Nazarene? And that whole thing, those are just are way over the top, but extremely entertaining. I would say, Um, you know, I think, you're right. I mean, the the thing that kind of disappoints with this is that you don't have as many of those dramatic shock moments that the other ones, it was really the bread and butter of the other two. Uh, though the one that kind of kicks things off with the, the death of the first, the original ambassador is one of the wilder ones of the whole series, mm-hmm. I will say. So, mm-hmm. you know, that moment that kind of shotgun? sets a high bar. That That's the... the shotgun with the press corps coming in and right. they cause the, the, the gun to go off. And, you know, that's like, you go, oh, well, if this is the way this movie's going to be, this is going to be one of those wild horror sequels. This is going to be like a Texas Chainsaw 2 or an Amityville 2 or something like that. No, it goes downhill nope. from there, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I... I still, when I when I went to revisit these though, I, I I was more anticipating watching this one again than I was Omen Two, just because mm-hmm. I remembered that there were some parts of Omen Two that really dragged for me. Um, I, I think uh, someone else said that on repeat viewing, this one doesn't hold up as much, and I think that's right. I think my earlier viewings, I enjoyed it more, but on rewatch, I'm like, yeah, I, I think I was I was more entertained by Sam Neill than anything else. And and that's really the thing that, that makes the film interesting to watch. Yeah. It's not shocking. He became who he was because he, he made the most of that movie that he's literally the only thing worth watching in that film. Literally. I said literally twice. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see what else is going on in this film. I mean, the, I meant I already brought this up with the whole um the bedside manner of the priests because there's like a team of them this time around it does feel like they try to be more tactical <laughs> like it does feel like there's an attempt to do especially because they're not you know there's not like a father they're addressing they're trying to just kind of dance around the whole we need to get to Damien thing and so I can appreciate that like the main priest uh was it DiCarlo um I mean he 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 makes it further. <laughs> All the other priests in this series, yeah. so it's like good on yeah. him. 
Um, and they're fun characters. The priests are. They're just not used to their full, you know, potential. I think. You yeah. Know? Right. Because they're they, not they come murderers, on... so it's like they're, no. they're, they're, they're <laughs> tasked to be like, you got to murder this guy with this secret dagger. Is like, is that well, is that part of our training? Like, is that we do? that's the thing. You said they're pretty bad at their jobs, and I'm like, well, I, they haven't had a whole lot of training with these special daggers. I mean, they've been buried under a museum in Chicago for 20 years or so here. So yeah. we needed a good 20 minutes of montage uh, showing them training with the daggers, like Army of the Dar- Army of Darkness style. It's just you know, yeah. ha, hoo, ha, yeah, and just uh, you know, stab them in. Uh, that really could have, uh, well, it would it would have set them up for more success. But as it stands, they like kill their own guy at one point because they're that bad at their job. <laughs> um, <so laughs> uh, and once again, Jerry Goldsmith uh, <laughs> coming Ooh. in doing the score, and he's apparently like he's like, he's like, like you know we, we joked about this last week of Candyman as far as uh, Philip Glass probably not coming into Candyman too. Like you know, <laughs> like guys, I have all these ideas. Jerry Goldsmith apparently brought in the orchestra and did the job for all three of these. He's, he's just yeah. well, yeah. I mean, he Gold, won a, Goldsmith always does the job. He wins you know? an Oscar for mm-hmm. the first one. Of course, uh-huh. he's going to be he's going to be soft on the Omen series. He's always going to come yeah. back to it. Well, I, sure. Go, Goldsmith is one of those composers that I, I never feel like he's phoning it in. You know, I, sure. even when the movie is Drek, uh, Goldsmith is given it all he's got. Like the the one that yeah. always comes to me to mind for me when I think about him really elevating a movie that is bad i think of supergirl and i love supergirl (laughs) okay i i I love it as bad as it is goldsmith's score is one of the highlights of that film uh for me uh that and helen slater's performance uh so you know anytime goldsmith's name appears on screen i know well if if the movie's bad at least i'm gonna get something some good ear candy here you know yeah for sure uh what else about (laughs) about this movie this moment i've I've mentioned this diabolical plot that damien has to murder all the people that were born on the same day as him um why well that's one of the darkest things of the whole series you know he's mm-hmm. murdering murdering babies 31 infant deaths babies they yeah. babies yeah, that's when he comes to super shredder dark program. man uh dark I, I like i mentioned it up top but like who in the world, why would you just call this movie the final conflict and expect everybody to come for Omen 3? Like, like there's a brand new star with Sam Neill and it's a tagline on there, but why wouldn't you call it at least the Omen final conflict? Or, I, like, I don't, it's bad. It's, it's I been feel baffling like, me for a long time. I feel like, and I, I don't, I, I, I can't say this with uh, any, you know, I don't know, I, I, I don't, I don't know any stories or, or reasons behind it, but I feel like there was at the time, uh, sequels were considered Drek. They were just, right. they, they didn't, they weren't, you know, that's why there is always Friday Thirteenth Part Two. Don't I love that movie? So don't, I'm not knocking that movie, but they can, they were considered by critics and all those people. Yeah, no, that's no, just another sequel. It's like, I think they were trying to. Oh no, no, we have we have a classy movie here. We have yeah. we have this great actor. It's the final conflict. It's not a sequel. It's, well, it's yeah, movies of, they avoided numbers even at that time. Like yeah, it was, it was yeah. rare to get two exactly. or three in the title to begin with. You'd always have subtitles mm-hmm. or an alternate title or what have you. Well, that, back yeah. in the day, it was son of daughter of exactly. Yeah. Like even even Godfather mm-hmm. two, like they struggled to be like. What do we call this? Like it wasn't like it wasn't a lock set thing that they're like well, part two and they was the way to go. Well, that one they were like fought to get it to be called part two. They were yeah, like not just two is what I'm saying. Not just two yeah. is part two they wanted. So 
to make it sound different. Well, because uh, it was the other yeah. half of the story. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's yeah. more going on. It's not just we're not a sequel. We're the other half of the story. That's mm-hmm. what they were. Yeah. Exactly. Um, That's all right. Well, yeah, call it. I mean, and also yeah, to your to your point, Brad, and like I don't know how the ad campaign was at this point, but I like, think if you're going to the final conflict, I'd like I'd like to think that there's a. a a notion of the idea it's like you've seen the omens and now it comes to find yeah. the finality of it like if there, it was a plan if it was mm. sorry the fact that as you said it's it seems planned even though it wasn't if the idea was like this is like the shocking conclusion or the fun you know the actual final conflict presumably even though it's diminishing returns at the box office they're thinking okay the way we can get people in is to tell them that this is the one this is the this is wrapping up the story like you followed us along yeah. this far you might be like this is how it ends you can't wait to see it it's like what a big swing there with like you know what we're the final conflict the omen series that's we get that and to be i mean they're coming out fairly regular like it's three years later like it's not like it's Mm -hmm. been a long time so you'd be confused Mm -hmm. as to what this would be um this would be playing pun intended devil's advocate as far as the marketing for a movie Mm -hmm. like this but i understand i i can see what the logic is even though yeah i I could agree saying omen final conflict would probably make a lot more sense than whatnot I mean, audiences knew what they were getting into. I, I believe if, if I'm thinking of the trailer, I believe they it, it's kind of obvious. Uh, so, and, and like you said, it was only three years or something like that. I think people knew what they were getting into. I, I just think they're realizing, well, these aren't very good. If they can name it the final countdown, we can name it the final conflict. But can we get OJ? Okay. That's their yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> box office fire um what else what else happened in this movie uh damien uh we i mean the the uh the female lead in this film um lisa harrow who she, she's another journalist right is that the thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. another journalist who this time the female lead damien also. falls in love yeah damien falls in love he with does there's, there's a romantic pairing for damien before before things get heavier um, and we see the whether or not the apocalypse the apocalypse is going to take place. I mentioned the fact that this movie's more religious uh, than the other, or at least really decides to play into. I mean, yeah, he's speaking to God. Like that's as it's there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys like the finality of this century? Do you like how it wraps things up? Did you appreciate that it does that it doesn't go a dark <laughs> direction? That instead it goes a you know a new way, a new beginning. It's really, it's so forgettable that you just don't, you just, I just didn't care. Like by the, by the time it gets to the end. And this is, I, maybe I liked it more when I was younger. Maybe when I first saw it, maybe I was like, yeah, no, that's cool. But I was just like, I had no, obviously they ain't done. You're kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I guess. Jesus wins, I guess. Yep. Well, I I had to rewind the end and look again and go, what just happened again? And then when you think about it you go well if you're gonna have the glowing figure of christ appear at the end of the film and all that i mean give us a showdown give us something that's you know at least a little bit more exciting you know Uh, i Mm -hmm. mean we we can have a a real christ in the form of gregory peck fights him like yeah (laughs) the power of christ compels you I think the woodland creatures in the South Park episode are far more terrifying, mm. and they have a showdown in that one. So it's a bit, that's a better version of this, I think. Well, that's the thing. Like this movie's not 
and not that the omen i mean i mean there's there's scary bits in those from the first i mean the the tension's there it gives you like some jumps or what have you because it's operating that level this one sure there is Aaron. sure in the first one i'm saying uh, in, the, in this one it's not really delivering on that at all right like it doesn't no no it's, it's more like shock value based off how certain people die i mean there's the shotgun thing at the beginning there's the big like bridge jump death that happens mm-hmm. that's like i think it's like a guinness record or something as far or something going on there as far as like a stuntman jumping off a bridge the way he did oh. uh, with uh with vic armstrong um there's something mm-hmm. about that that was like terrifying for him or something because it was a very high bridge um but I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's more the morbid notion of like, you know, murdering children or babies mm-hmm. or, you know, what's taking place from a, the violence that's, you know, somewhat implied. But in turn, instead of like, you know, shocking jump scares like Miss Baylock coming out of nowhere and attacking Gregory Peck or something like that, there's, there's none of that in this time around. Sure, that comes from having like an adult no. cast, right? You're not dealing with any, you know, a, a child Damien anymore. Like the novelty aspect is gone. So you're just focused on this guy who has a satanist cult backing him up which is like well that's creepy i guess mm-hmm. but not inherently scary like brandon what you're saying like the idea of the genre could have switched up to more of a thriller an action movie like i can see that i can see them playing with that like the priests know like different martial arts that they come at them with you know one does parkour <laughs> well that's why they i wish to see... remake this movie that's they what i was about to say this one i was about to say that, yeah, that's why the, yeah. the, i mean the we'll talk about the remake right in a second but like if that movie was yeah, more we successful will. we could have got the remakes of the sequels and got some real showdowns in the in the the remake of the final conflict can the remake of this one have the uh do a redo of the song the final countdown but have it be it's the final conflict yeah i love that idea dude yeah get will arnett in here too yeah amazing amazing with one of the the daggers in his mouth yeah. one of the daggers in his mouth <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right let's move on let's get to the fourth film omen four colon the awakening mm-hmm. this is a 1991 made for tv movie uh this time it was directed initially by jorge montesi who was then related if related he was then replaced by halloween fives dominic ofenin gerard um <laughs> tv movie this one does not have a damien in it for obvious reasons uh but it does feature a few actresses but mainly asia Vieira as delia mm-hmm. who uh, seems to be evil just something about her seems to be evil and we learn more about it as yeah. we go along uh we have a couple co-stars here the most notables are faye grant who was in v mm-hmm. um and of course michael lerner i will say right now i was so, like michael lerner's name came up so quickly and he's on the blu-ray cover where i'm sitting there thinking cool michael Lerner, that's an interesting choice he does not show up in this movie for so long <laughs> and i'm sitting there watching this for the first time wondering where's all this michael lerner there's I was like promised. seven commercial breaks before he gets there <laughs> where's michael lerner i was so excited <laughs> to see him in a movie like this that seems so fun and he finally gets in there for like a couple scenes and it's a complete schmuck and <laughs> just doesn't pay off all that well <laughs> Um, the the general plot of this one, what happens in this fucking movie? You have another... it's <laughs> soft reboot. It's like a yeah, that's very accurate. Yeah. Instead of uh, you know, big politics, it's a local election, and you you county have a, chair. No. Yeah, it, well, and the and the wife played that big red. She's like tried to have children and it hasn't worked out, so they go to an orphanage and they find uh, Delia, 
<laughs> they, they take her in. Delia. Delia seems like such an evil name to give somebody. Yeah. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty perfect given that Damien, which was not an evil name oh. before the Omen came it out. It made it an evil, name. an evil name. So it's like, how do you stop that? <laughs> Delia. Yeah, okay, I can buy into this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, take her in and things happen from there. All right, so this is, I obviously, as I've said, I, I had not seen all of these movies and or all these sequels. And so this, this is one that I watched for the first time as well. Uh, I'll go first as far as my thoughts on it. It's not good. It's a terrible movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, very, it's not good. Very, very bad thing. Um, <laughs> the, I, I was very, I was certainly curious, like, what are you going to do with a, a third sequel to the Omen? And the answer was apparently like you said, Brandon, soft reboot, but just like bad in every way, I guess was the, uh, and it's a TV movie. So it's like, I try to cut it as much slack as I could. Right, as far as like budget and availability of certain kinds of actors and how you piece this thing together, there's not a lot here. Like it it's thankfully not too not too no. long. Like all of them are all the other ones are over a hundred minutes. This one's you know ninety and change. It's pretty long for a TV movie. They for a TV know, movie it's people still, didn't yeah. buy enough ads. I guess. <laughs> but uh no, this movie is it's pretty dreadful. There there's like as I said, there is like a twist that occurs at the end where I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's fun, but just not enough going on here to make this much of a worthwhile watch. Certainly not something I need to like revisit anytime soon. Um, the casting for Delia is fine. Like it's like you got an evil. I mean, you're watching the fourth Oma movie. It's like, yeah, you get an evil child. That that makes sense to me. And there's at least like one memorable. There's a visual I keep getting where it's like, what the is it the gypsy or the 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 fortune teller whoever who who dies on the on the merry-go-round that's the that's the mm. one that like i remember because mm. it like it keeps giving close-ups of that of like that image of like just the person like sprawled out on the merry-go-round with their head like laid back but like i mean that's you know that's five minutes of a 90 minute movie and it's, it's just it's just bad yeah jimmy where are you with the with with the om with the awakening well, you hit it. I mean, a soft reboot. It's boring as hell. Uh, it's it's uninteresting. And look, you know, you you say it's a made for video. I, I, you know, there were a lot of really bad made for like sequels to like the Hellraiser series or or the Omen series. But I'm like, come on, man. You know, you had. I, I remember seeing When a Stranger Calls Back. That movie's freaking rocked. It's a good flicking freaking movie. So it's possible to do this better about it but it's just it's just horribly boring i didn't care about a single thing like i think you mentioned the merry-go-round that's it that was it it's just no i i didn't care about the kid you've seen it before we've seen it before we've seen it done much better and sometimes not so much better but still even i mean this thing made the final conflict look like a fucking masterpiece (laughs) it's just it's not a good movie it's not it's so lazy and so just uh God, it was painful. Thanks for making me rewatch this, by the way. Thanks. Made Thanks, that sir. happen. Yep. Todd, how about you? Where are you with uh with <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this movie kind of w- went in one ear and out the other. I mean, there's very little mm-hmm. that's memorable about it. Um I you mentioned the kid, and I, I do think she does a fine job. I thought, you know, she if she had maybe a little better material to work with, she could make an effective creepy kid. Sure. Um you know, the movie lacks focus. It, it goes into all kinds of different directions. I mean, whereas the other ones are really playing up the whole uh, 
the Catholic angle and all this. This one goes into a weird thing with like people that are into crystals and new agey stuff. And yeah. I'm going, that, that doesn't fit this, this world. Uh, how does that work? Um, no, yeah, I mean, yeah. really the old, the only thing that uh, I, I think is, is worth a look in this is Michael Lerner. It was given it all he's got, you know, cause he's Michael Lerner. I mean, the, sa- <laughs> the same year, <laughs> the same year he got an Oscar nomination yeah. for Barton Fink, right. this movie, you know, so. Yeah. Prime Lerner, let me tell you. You win some, you lose some, guys. You win some, you lose some. <laughs> he does get a fun scene because he's like, he's a PI and he's doing like other work. And he like goes to investigate like uh, this, this this like religious ceremony. And there's a like a. Oh, the snake, the, the handler. Sna- the snake handler guy. Yes. And like the guy, like because of bad, bad, I don't know, bad juju afoot, the snake <laughs> handler guy gets bit. And Michael Lerner like runs up to it, trying to like pump him for information on this, like all this happening. It's like this. There's a lot of cheesiness here that, yes, benefits when you have a guy like Michael Lerner on the scene, but there's just it's so much that's I, badly constructed in, a, in so much of this. I had forgotten about the snake handler scene. That That mm-hmm. is fun. And again, was a, was a part where I was like kind of flabbergasted because, again, the, the previous films, you know, really focus on Catholic tradition, those type of things. And now we've gone the complete polar opposite of that. And we're still in Christianity, but it's snake handlers, which is not Catholic at all. <laughs> so it's nah, very, yeah, very it's strange. Trying to open up to Are a they, wider audience. Yeah, yeah but, they're trying too hard to kind of, you know, build the world, make it a little bit more. But like, guys, this, you're dealing with something that is specifically with that religion, with, with you know, heaven and hell, good and evil, Satan and God. You can't, it gets silly when you go other routes because you're just like, yeah, you guys are just, it It felt, they felt desperate to make a bad sequel. I mean, it, it was just, there's no. It, it gets silly by not handling it well. Like, because I can understand the logic of yeah. we've done this three times to the point of Jesus appearing to Sam Neill. Like, what else can we do here? <laughs> All right, let's, let's, yeah, get, let's yeah, get mystics sure and like fortune tellers involved. Like, that's that's a fun idea like there's a whole sequence where delia is at a what a like a carny fair or whatever mm-hmm. and like there's all yeah. which apparently has all of the mystics in the area that are gathered around and like everything bad happens like it gets it gets like a windstorm takes place and lightning strike or whatever the hell like all these things happen that like all the fortune tellers like what's going on also our powers are real see because we're regarding it's just like <laughs> there's so much happening it's like well that's a fun idea but in terms of like this move and you know me I like Halloween five more than at least two of you guys. So it's like, okay, yeah, you guys, do. I, was, I was hoping, hoping for something here. Cause like, oh, I didn't know that going in, but no, it doesn't, uh, doesn't do, but Brandon, where are you with, with the awakening? Well, speaking of Halloween five as a person who's watched that so many times over the years and stuff, you can tell this was from the director of Halloween five. <laughs> like, there, and, and, I'm, and I mean that in a way that this guy has a feel and characteristics that I, I see between the two movies. There's a, there's kind of an unintentional, but yet somewhat comedic tone to things that are like kind of loose and goofy. And he's got musical cues in there that are like, what, what is this? There are, yeah, there's a lot of weird like choices. It reminds me of the, the cops in Halloween five with a whoop boom, boom, and all the slide whistle and clown music with them is in a different way here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 
it's got the limitation. They had big plans to do more of these. Yeah, um, this is supposed to be like the takeoff point for a series yeah. of, of, of films that would follow Delia and their mm-hmm. other. You know, I like the. I I think you know it sucks. There's a great revelation with Delia at the end of this movie that is better than this movie deserves. <laughs> <laughs> because I think I, I was like, well, that's really cool. You know, you have I forgot about it. I had seen, you know, I've seen this movie a couple times. I haven't watched it since I did the Blu-ray box set. And I forget apparently every time what that revelation is. Um, and yeah, it's it's a cheap, like local version of the original movie. Like it's just not I don't know. It's like community theater remake of The Omen. Uh, entertaining in some unintentional degrees here and there, but not in such a, a hoot way that I'm like, oh man, that was fun to watch. It's like, oh, let's let's power through this. The Omen Four. The the ending is better than the film deserves, but yeah. also and also the um the the feeling of hopelessness returns in this film, especially by the ending, which is something yeah. I did like. I, I did like the, the the final solution here is. There's nothing else I can do. Like I, I give up. Like which is like it's <laughs> like a TV movie. That's pretty dark. That's that's, yeah. a, that's a way to go. But yeah, I mean the it is. I'm not. It's not even like the ending's like amazingly filmed. It's just more like oh, this the the writing of this is neat. But yeah, the delivery of this is just not very worthwhile. And for the logo creator, how is the end not a no, room a numeral rule four? Why didn't you? I just know, make right? The end? Yeah, they don't uh... like. Come on. Dicks. So rude. <laughs> um, trying to think of anything else to say about. There's nothing else one. to I say mean, about this movie. It's you know, there's no Jerry Goldsmith this time around because of the yeah. TV movie. Nope. <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> it the commercials were good though. They got like Donnie <laughs> Silversmith to come in and yeah, there you go and crush it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um. <laughs> it uh it had a th- it had a theatrical release in some countries apparently in australia and the uk mm. oh yeah that's uh, these tv movies like ba- they were tv movies for us foreign rights, like yeah. duel was a, yeah. a release in theaters mm. overseas like a lot of them uh got a theatrical release so they would count yeah. like yeah. some of those really bad like made for tv marvel movies back in the day were theatrical releases overseas. you mean you mean my captain america <laughs> You're Captain America. Red Brown. Yeah. The double feature night. Uh I think like I think like that um the Hasselhoff one got a theatrical release overseas, if I'm not mistaken. Of but, course it did. It's Hasselhoff. Uh, I love the Hoff. Age, they love it in the, the original Asian issue. Doctor Strange, that one got one too. Yeah. Uh, and obviously I only watch Spider-Man if he speaks Japanese. So that's that's how I roll. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, right. Isn't that his language? Yes. <laughs> uh, all right so let's stop with this let's let's move on let's get to the next one uh because i i am curious to hear some thoughts uh for sure because i knew we'd all not like this fourth one uh so now we get to the omen the remake the 2006 film which was entirely made because they realized that june 6 2006 was coming and they's like we need to get an omen remake out now because <laughs> if, if it comes out june june 6 2007 fuck off that's not gonna work for us we gotta do it now which was a monday right that um, was a tuesday I believe. it was a tuesday okay i remember it was yeah. not a normal edit it used to be like one of the biggest tuesdays but obviously like christmas opens openings 
you know top it every now and then so mm-hmm. i think like I'm, i think like a it's like i think it's like one of will smith's movies like has like a tuesday opening record at this point just because christmas day was on a tuesday at some mm. point um that's oh, okay a, that's a guess it's it's some like but obviously it's like it's some christmas release that has a current like tuesday opening of all time but this did like it, it achieved what it wanted to because it made money like, yeah you know we'll yeah. talk about the well, quality, it had a hook to it had a get hook. people in the theaters on a yeah. tuesday but so we have so we have this movie it's directed by john moore uh one of maybe the worst studio directors that uh, was working at that time and um, he, and still today it's still t- less so now but he had a run where like fox was like we don't care that your movies make not that much money get terrible reviews have bad problems on the set we're gonna keep giving you projects to work like i guess uh, john moore was just great in the room for fox he's just like yeah i'm all in give me all the movies and he made one bad movie after another. <laughs> but um yes i'll go hard on john moore but uh, he made the worst diehard um so this movie it stars julia styles top build uh which mm-hmm. that was interesting uh leah schreiber as the thorns uh you get mia farrow which is incredible casting. Like we'll talk about this. Like, we'll talk about the quality of this film, but the fact that Mia Farrow plays the ha- the uh, the house the the the, 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 um, the maid the housekeeper the ner- the nanny that's fun. That's a fun like I like that somebody went to Mia that's Farrow smart. and was like, "Remember how you were in Rosemary's Baby?" She's like, "I never forget that." And it's like, "Well, <laughs> what if we did this?" That's a that's a fun idea. Um, I forgot that the, I, I remember that this movie either had David Thewlis or Pete Postlethwaite in it because they remind me of each other, and it turns out both of them are in this movie, which really was funny to see in the credits. <laughs> I'm like, who plays the priest? Is it Thewlis or is it Postlethwaite? They're kind of the same, and both of them are in it. Um, and then, of course, you have Michael Gambon, uh, Dumbledore himself, uh, coming in as as one of the other priests. And of course, we have Seamus Davy Fitzpatrick as Damien. That's a lot of names. Uh, so, yeah. so. <laughs> uh, I don't need to describe the plot to you because this movie is exactly the same as the original Omen to the point where the screenwriter for this movie, they the WGA deemed him so like so the screenplay was so close that they didn't give him credit. They just gave credit back to David Seltzer, who did nothing at yep. all on this movie whatsoever, <laughs> which is hilarious to me. His name is on this movie. The person that technically wrote this movie has no claim to it. <laughs> David Seltzer walks away with a check. Like that's that's yeah. hilarious. Uh, poor for him. That must suck. But you know, for, <laughs> for just watching these credits and thinking, oh, that's interesting. That's a choice. Uh, this movie did not get mm-hmm. good reviews. Uh, did get terrible reviews on it. So he got okay reviews there's mixed negative i guess but it did make money like it was you know 25 million budget made like quadruple that uh so like the the goal was achieved um all that said uh jimmy you have never seen this movie before what are your i've never seen it what are your thoughts on this you've finally jumped into the omen pool yeah i avoided this because i had heard it was bad so i i I put it on um whoa wow i it has no excuse to be this bad. It has no excuse because it's not bad in the sense that, oh my God, ridiculous. It is lifeless. It's soulless. You have this amazing cast. All these, everyone in this movie has given a good review, good performance, at least a few. Uh, it, it is the only thing, David, the, the, the head scene is a little bit, better done kind of than the original they had a, they do a little bit better job it's it, it's so shot for shot oh god it's painful and it, it it's it's infuriating because you have 
really good talent here. You have really good talent, but I, I, I really despise this film. I despised it. I thought it was lazy. I thought it was uh, embarrassing. I thought it was just, uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly, it was, it was a chore to sit through. I'm like, I've seen Omen. I, I don't need to see this ever, ever, ever again. Did anyone That's take- how much I like this movie. Got it. <laughs> I watching this for the second. I've only because I saw it when it came out, and I saw it recently. I'm so sorry. Did anyone pick up on Lee Schreiber? Was he trying to do a North Atlantic accent, or was he just being like? It feels like it was going in and out. Honestly, like I, I feel like I was kind of hearing him try to do like a not necessarily Gregory, like kind of Gregory Peck or Cary Grant. Like you know what I'm talking, like that North yeah, Atlantic. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe thing. a little. It felt. It felt like I didn't care enough to like pay attention too much. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't care. I got stuck in a like a loop thing because I I feel like I heard it at some points, but not at others. Obviously, he is American, so it's like it's not like he has to stretch (laughs) too much to do like whatever choice. But it felt like because I was trying to see, you know, watching this again, I'm like, I want to see what he's trying to do to like ape Gregory Peck, or if he's trying to do something different. And honestly, it sounded like he was trying to put a little spin on the voice, like he was trying to like put something in there, but it wasn't consistent enough because well, the movie's bad. That said, Jimmy, you're exactly right as far as. They hired a lot of good people, like and which fits mm-hmm. the Omen. Honestly, it's like, yeah, the, the first Omen had a good cast. The second one had yeah. a good cast. So this one's like, well, yeah, if you're gonna make another one of these, you get you know talented people involved. And this is like the peak years for Julia Stiles. It's a good mm-hmm. point for Liev Schreiber, who's kind of like kind of taking off. Um, and you know, you got your veterans in there. You got your Mia Farrow and your Pete Possible plays. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of good people. I don't disagree with you whatsoever. But I do agree with you completely as far as this movie is just no weight to it whatsoever because it does the thing that I said early on. It does the everything feels so obvious, both because you've seen the omen mm-hmm. and because the it play like it's I mean, we've had a couple final destinations at this point. So like the movie film feels like aware of like how to like really like stage these events oh, out. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> but it just yeah. Every you know, hey, uh, you know what? Can I say something really yeah. quickly? Because yeah, yeah. this did piss me off. It pissed me off. Okay, when Lee Remick falls, you're kind of like, okay, Julia Styles would not survive that fall. There's no it's fucking a, way it's a she bigger would house. That. None. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge house. It's this big dramatic fall. It is so ridiculous and stupid. It pissed me off. It. I hate this movie. I really hate this film. <laughs> You know me. I'm I'm usually like the more. No, I kind of like it. It's come right. No, this movie sucks ass. <laughs> so let's Sorry, go to, on. Let's jump to Brandon. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the remake of the Omen? <laughs> I, I I would. This is so crazy after what we just went through. But I would rather watch the Omen four than this. One Hell yeah! Again. Hell yes! I. This movie, like, why does it exist? They did nothing different. They changed clothes and had new people but it's so offensive that it has no identity of its own uh-huh and it none classic it, john moore it's it's so like there, <laughs> there's one like they just staged thulis's death a little bit different and that's about as far as they went there they, yeah there's interesting casting but like because like thulis i'm sitting here thinking like oh yeah that's that's a really good switch for Warner. Like they're about the same fucking kind of actor because they're making the same damn movie rather than trying to make a little bit different choice. So then I'm like mad again about that. (laughs) Um, 
when I thought it was a compliment, it's mm-hmm. like nothing, nothing new happens. It's so like, even nothing. the end shot is the same. All this stuff is the same. It it's so it, it's baffled. Like I don't get worked up about movies, bad ones and stuff like Twitter, film Twitter and all that likes to do like the world ended because you had watched a movie. You didn't like it, but this is a movie bad enough to get me riled up as to just, mm-hmm. and it's done worse. And it's a movie that now it's copy. It's making the same thing, but it also doesn't have the thing of where the omen made it. Just they're making their movie. This one knows where those moments are and can't do anything. Like it ruins it by going, this is the part guys here. We saw it yeah. too. We're redoing the same thing. This, this is the part. And it's, I, Oh, it's, it's, it's just bad. Like it's the, is, is the, is this, is this diehard movie really better than this? Like that's no. how bad this is. No, I, no, dude. His diehard's oh, at least not this, like the first diehard, but worse. It's something else. But it's, it's this is Gus Van Sant psycho bad. Well, see, not, I was, I was Gus just Van Sant psycho. I was yeah. just about to bring yeah. that up, though. So I, 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 I do not like that movie. I am not a fan of Gus Van Sant psycho. However, nope. However, at least it had style. It has. It feels very much like someone is making deliberate decisions that they wanted to do. It's an to, experiment. To, exactly. It's an experiment. It's something yes. that they're they're trying. This this is just aping, and it's doing it badly. Like mm-hmm. not, it's not like yeah. John. It doesn't seem like John Moore has a vision for what this can be. Mm-hmm. He's just putting together, you know, the greatest hits, working off the exact, basically the exact yep. same screenplay. And I, like, I guess he has to direct these actors. And what is he directing the actors to? Just act like they did before. Like it's not. There's nothing here that makes it. I know we're talking over Utah. I want to hear what your thoughts. Well, it's, oh, it's all right. It's I, I, right. I want to say before, like the difference, like Psycho. I'm not, not not defending it, but there's a different. Like if Van Sant Psycho had been something you read about in a magazine or heard that, oh, Van Sant and some actors got together and for shits and giggles they shot for shot remade Psycho and da da da. It was kind yeah. of a little pet thing. You'd want to see it, wouldn't you? But as a major theatrical release, as a remake screw it but if it was like this little project that they did on their own for themselves and sure. was never meant for that you'd want to see it but as a we're gonna go cash in you don't want to see it so it's interesting in that experiment this is bullshit i omen is i'll let todd get angry about it now wash, washing your hands <laughs> yeah. in the situation well, here todd where do, you, where do you think about this i i don't know that i'll get as angry as the other guys i mean it's i i the it is lazy. I admit that. I think the comparisons to the Psycho remake are very appropriate. Um, you know, even down to the point where like the few things they do do differently are like, you know, insert a few flashes of some weird imagery, you know, like there's these weird shots of like a jackal skeleton in a hoodie or something like, yeah. you know, it's. Uh, Which is yeah. weird because like, why is she getting so affected by like, okay, like yeah. just haunting her dreams yeah. for some reason. <laughs> um but you know i i'd be curious to hear what someone who has never seen the original thinks of this because i mean yeah there's i can't say that it's all completely awful you know i like some of the things some of the actors are doing i think the the main thing that is the biggest crime here kind of goes back to what we were saying about the original omen the original omens got style the original omens got great atmosphere uh when we were talking about that first film uh, we mentioned like 
uh, I think someone mentioned the Hammer type of horror movies. The first Omen movie feels a bit like a Hammer. It was film. indebted to those. The, yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. this, this this is not that at all. This is just you know someone saw the Omen once and said, "Well, I can do that shot. I can do that shot. I can do that." And this shot. is made of the, the latest, play. and it has the latest and greatest effects. Right? You get a lot more CG oh, work to and they're things. terrible. They're not. They're not good. You know, and that's the thing. I mean, you mentioned the decapitation sequence. I I think that's that moment in this film where I was like, oh, well, these guys watch Final Destination way too much. You know, they just, the way they set that up, it's just like out of a Final Destination movie. And then when it happens, okay, yeah, the gimmick's kind of cool, but then it's, you know, CGI blood spurt and all that, and it's just annoying. And you go, give me the practical effect of David Warner's head rolling down the sheet of glass, you know. Um, get a couple of shots of Thulis, like his lifeless body, like, take does he like take a few steps before he falls down? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. fun. That's I fun. Mean, <laughs> The priest getting the isn't even as good. The priest one is worse. Yeah. I would say. Like, oh, how did worse. they not t- like? It's like Freddy from the Elm Street remake when he comes through the wall. How did they make that worse? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. The yeah. CGI uh, and, on that is is just horrendous. Horrendous. I, I the main thing things. that bugged me. I mean, you you mentioned Mia Farrow and saying that that was kind of cool. I I when that happened, I was like. Oh my gosh! I, I this is stunt <laughs> ca- ca- stunt casting to the to the worst to me, and yeah. you know maybe part of it is that I'm not that big of a fan of Mia Farrow. I think, you know, Mia Farrow can can work in certain roles, but she can also be uh, tremendously grating, and I think she is tremendously grating in this film. Again, I wanna, uh, yeah, I I agree. I'm not speaking to the quality of the performance or film. I just think the idea of them bringing in Mia oh, Farrow yeah. that's. A, I mean, yeah, it's stunt casting, but it's like, well, it's the Omen remake. Like, I mean, I can, I feel, I can give it a few things here because it's like, what else is, what else is it going to accomplish? So it's like, who do you cast as her? Well, that's that's an idea again, that for the when I saw it the first time, I was like, oh, that's actually kind of fun that they that they bring in her of all people. Is she is she great think, in the movie? Not really. I mean, she's Mia Farrow, oh, you know, playing older Mia Farrow. Like, it's you know, it is what yeah. it is, a horror movie. <laughs> well, and I think this movie is it's not being made for the people that would get a kick out of seeing Mia Farrow play that role. Right. You know, this is, this is not being made for the the folks that know the original Omen or know Rosemary's baby and all that. This is being made for, you know, the, the casual movie viewer, the, the 17 year olds who are going, Oh, well, I heard this is scary. Let's go see this, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's, I can't slag on it entirely because i mean it's it's the same story and there's certain charms to the story and all that but yeah you watch it and you go this this was not necessary um this is way better done 30 years ago this is pharaoh's Mm -hmm. last like major film role right like Um, she wasn't anything big there well big yeah i know there's other yeah because I, I tend to think of like this was be, a major film, major because yeah. I think of like Be Kind Rewind came out right that's but that's not a yeah. huge movie. Um, yeah. I can't think of anything huge that she no I, yeah even before the Omen it's not like yeah. she was acting a whole lot either so. right right. Um, I found the list of movies that had the biggest Tuesday openings. Uh, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> um, you had and it's July Fourth opening. That's what I forgot also. Um, oh oh yeah, you, you have Spider Man Far From Home, Transformers the first one. Les Mis and Django Unchained, which were both Chris, that was the same year. So they both, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, the headlines read 
uh, Les Miserables and Django top omen uh, for <laughs> highest Tuesday opening. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, this movie is terrible. Um, what was like? What else was I going to say about this? Oh, okay. The to not that it not that it makes it better or it gets like much more credit. But the opening of this film, which it's anything, it's just distasteful. It tries to tie the nature of Damien being born and being like the Antichrist to like actual disasters that occurred, like signs of the apocalypse. So it incorporates like 9-11 and Katrina. Mm -hmm. And it's like, because I I was trying to think of like what I thought of that in theaters. Like, this is heavy. Like, And now I'm looking at thinking, this is awful. Like, it's awful that they're exploiting this for the fucking Omen remake. That we're using, like, this footage, like, uh-huh. literally showing it at the beginning, top of this movie to audiences being uh-huh. like, see, Apocalypse is coming. Now get entertained by Liev Schreiber and Julia, Julia Stiles getting murdered for the next two hours. <laughs> like, oh, boy, that's a lot to take in. Yeah, it's not a great, it was not a great choice. It was, there. this movie's, you know, I don't get it. I'm not, I, I don't get offended easily, but I, yeah, this, this is an offensively bad film. It's an offensively lazy. Uh, Julia, Julia, she's not good in this. She's pretty bad. It, it's very, uh, she just seems one note. It's just, it's not her fault. This is, none of this is her fault. It, it, it's just such a terrible film. And this ranks as one of the worst remakes I've seen in a long time. This is one of the worst major studio releases of all time. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely, I, absolutely. That that ba- I mean, of the OOS, I'll, I'll throw the OOS um, that I can think of off top. Maybe because I just watched it, and I'm fired up about it. But it's just, it's yeah. just ba- you're watching it, just like do something different, please. Take me somewhere else. Do anything. You know what they did different, and is the one thing I would say they shouldn't have done different is here we do an almost shot-for-shot remake of The Omen, mm-hmm. and they don't use any of Jerry Goldsmith's cues, yeah, you right. know, which is mm-hmm. one of the most iconic parts of the original film. And, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I'm all for doing something original, but at least bring in the, you know, a, a few of the moments, you know, at least bring that up again. Something that but, reminds you of it or something yeah. like that, but no, mm-hmm. it just, it's... Marco Beltrami was like, "No, thank you. I'm making. I'm, I'm, I'm going my own way in the Omen, guys. You make the closest movie you can, but not on my watch." Is Jack Goldsmith score going to enter into this? Thing. Yeah, that's that's one thing they forget with like the remakes and stuff, and they're afraid to go into is like they're known for their scores. There's a sound yeah, that goes are. with them too, and they always want to be like, "Well, this is the new one," it's got, and the, the score always has to be new. The story can be the same old thing, but the score's got to be new. And it's like, no that's part of the lore. That's part of what we identify with uh, why this film is the way it is. Halloween and, gets it. It seems that's the one where they're well, like, zo- zombie didn't want to use it in his first one. I know he, he didn't was want to, but forced, he, like it cool. almost didn't have it. Mm-hmm. So still, still yeah. did. <laughs> it's still, no, it's yeah. Yeah, still yeah, wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, that, even like the sequels in general, like, you know, and all the, the theme is, I, I, I you know, there's not a consistency in some of the other major horror franchises compared to Halloween as far as having that familiar sound go on through it. Unless I'm mistaken, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Exorcist there. has a very mm-hmm. classic score. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two Beer mm-hmm. Bells, and I mean, Phantasm. They have one. They, I mean, a lot in Elm Street. They've they carry they've through scores. They carry through. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, except yeah. for I don't yeah, think the Platinum bit. Dunes used it though. Mistake. 
I mean, no, that, requires, no, that requires us to remember the Platinum Dunes uh, on the street movie. I would have to sit through that again to make that assessment. But well, that that film would probably be comparable to uh, this 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 actually. Remake. Paul, I would say though, at least that one was remaking something but doing different things. So that that's mm-hmm. got a leg and it up had better, over this. Better performances, honestly. Like the performances in that Nightmare on Elm Street, considering the quality, they were better than this film. Everything yeah. was I, better, I, and like, I, I'm not a fan. Like it's that's how bad it is that the screenplay is credited to the original screenwriter, even though someone <laughs> yeah. else. Like that's how unimaginative. That's how, like, just copycat this is. Like it's, I mean, oh, terrible. I'm angry. You made me watch this, Aaron. At least show us God the jackal it. birth. Do something different. Go back. Show us the jackal birth. <laughs> Give that scene. What kills me is that um, Ebert did not like the original Omen. This movie, no. thumbs up. That was just spite. <laughs> that is spite at its finest. I, I would, you know, I'm going to say something kind of controversial here, and I, I had a lot of respect for Roger Ebert, and I, I, I re- but he was not one to review horror at all. He had no business. He didn't like most horror. He didn't. He wasn't fair with horror. He gave high tension like a half a star. Come on. To be, stop fair, to be fair, I don't like half a t- half, half high tension. I, I love high tension. No, it's yeah. a it's a terrific film. I, I love it. But like he gave like he gave a lot of really interesting movies because it was he was offended by the violence. He was offended and, and it, you know, he he called them the dead teenager movies. And I, you know, no offense to to Mr. Ebert, he was legendary, but I, I, I never trusted his horror reviews ever. Siskel was the same way. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, yeah, they're both were those old at the movie shows, which I grew up watching those in Chicago. I mean, anytime mm-hmm. you, you'd have a, a Friday movie in Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, it, it, you'd sometimes wonder if they even watched the film uh, well, because they just automatically went into yeah, their, yeah. their kind of pre-written routine on those i mean they contributed to that say panic panic i mean they weren't like for it but they're oh these are bad da 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 contributed to these are to other groups being like oh see they're bad because they do this 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 and that's not what ebert and siskel are at but by 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 making them so despise what they did to betsy palmer was unforgivable that's not cool like releasing her information because they didn't like a movie Fuck off with that shit. That was that was that 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 that's terrible. It's the old uh, Twitter would call that dunking back then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know I've addressed this in other episodes over the years, so that's only so much I can say about their their regard for specifically slasher movies because I mean they did like yeah, other things for sure. And I mean they they liked when it was getting off the ground because they loved whole Halloween. Like that was, you know that was mm-hmm. they were huge. They loved the first Halloween. The they liked uh, they loved rejects too. Eber like Devil's Rejects, yeah. Eber like Devil Rejects, yeah. I mean, he, he would. It's a different topic, but I mean, he'd go. He'd go to bat for like smaller, like May or like you know, random little movies like that. He'd give like four stars to. He, like he gave four stars to May and called it the best like new horror debut or whatever since just, since Halloween. Sure. <laughs> he just wasn't a knockoff guy. Like uh, mm-hmm. I think that was yeah. where he just got bitter because mm-hmm. there's a lot of yeah. a lot of knockoffs, mm-hmm. but. He did like Mute Witness. He got me to see Mute Witness. That was a I good movie, though. I like that one. That's a great movie. Great movie. Yeah. Alec Guinness didn't even know he was in it. How good it was. <laughs> that's most of his. That's most of his post seventy five career. It seems like. 
<laughs> so back to the omen. Uh, well, that movie is terrible. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's much more to say about the, the this uh, remake. Did anyone watch the Damien TV series by chance? That was on A and E for one season. No, it started. No. It started Bradley James as Damien, and it featured. I remember among, it, but no. It featured mm-hmm. a Bar- Barbara Hershey was in it among other people. It's, it's oh. so. When, Dam- and when did this happen? This this, this was uh, 2016. Oh, not that long. Yeah, ago. it was long ago. It was fairly recent. Yeah, fairly like, we have our own Bates Motel over here. Basically, yeah. And this, uh, this Damien, he is a war photographer. Um, he's had traumatic okay. experiences, and I guess there's I don't, Tom I, Savini. I, 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 I uh, yeah, you're Tom Savini. Um, he appears in some movies. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I hadn't seen this series, but I did look into it just because I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, that was a thing. Um, and I guess it, it's. It seems like it's doing the, the thing that we basically wanted from some from between two and three, where it's like, mm-hmm. what is his life embracing being this, you know, being anti antichrist, and what's that going to build to? It was canceled, um, so it's like it seems like nobody was really that curious about that answer, but they did seem like that seemed to be like what the end was. It's like, all right, let's you know, you got your Bates Motel, you got your Lucifer. What if we give Damien a shot? Let's see how that goes as far as him being a, a young adult. Well, Aaron, did you watch it? No, I'm saying did I did. I haven't see seen it? it. No, I just I looked into it just because I remember okay. it being on. And since we're doing this podcast, I'm like, let me look, let me see what I can find on this Damien show. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, apparently it didn't take off. So, and I couldn't couldn't easily find it. It's not on Disney Plus yet. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> why do I feel like it'll be better than the remake? I, I honestly do. I would be surprised. Something else. A twenty something else. A twenty sixteen A and E series. I could see. There's probably something good in that. So, I mean, it, if it got a first, it, it, got a, it got a full season, so somebody liked it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Ten, there's ten episodes out there somewhere, um, featuring right. this, this magic. Um, all right. Well, okay. So we've talked about all these movies. Any other thoughts on as we've gone through these? Any new thoughts on the the Omen as a whole as a franchise? <laughs> It's not bad. The first three. Well, as I said last week of Candyman, we want—I want to see us rank all of these movies. And as I also said, feels like the rank is kind of obvious for some of these franchises that we're doing for this round of a, of a, of a, of a horror franchises. Uh, so, I, I feel like I know most of these, but like, Todd, let's start with you. What, what, how would you rank the Omen series? Oh, well, one obviously is the best. Um... I'm really torn as to put three or two first. Um, they're kind of. Uh, I'm done. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it's kind of a tie for me on two and three, to be honest. I think the kills in two are better, so that might elevate it slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd actually probably rather watch the remake again than watch Omen four, to be honest, because it's just so dry. But yeah, I think that I think that's where I'm at. Okay. I, I feel like I can guess your guys's, but I'll just say it, you can hear. How about this? I'll say bye. And if you disagree, let's hear it. But I'm pretty much one, two, three, four, remake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So we don't yep. need to do that three times. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I figured this would land to begin with. And yes, Todd, I don't disagree as far as it's not like you're, you're splitting hairs when you get to the back end of this franchise. <laughs> like it's not mm-hmm. like one's all that much better than the other. Uh, but like, I don't know. There's like the, I took a like I was watching all these Omen movies pretty close together, but I took like two weeks off before we finally got to um, the remake because it's like 
why would I watch this right away? This doesn't make any sense. But what I did, it's like, yeah. yeah, that's why I took the weeks off because there's just nothing here. So it's like, would I rather watch that again or Awakening? I don't know. <laughs> Awakening, I guess, by default, but it's like, there's nothing. It's shorter. It's, yeah, it is I, shorter. It's got that going for it. I literally rewatched uh, the original film and then watched the remake the following day, and, which is which is <laughs> oh, pretty God. wild because it really does cause you to sink in why they did that thing with the script credit because it is the exact yeah. same script. There is no yeah. change. I'll give it to Thulis. Yeah. Thulis isn't bad at that movie. I like his. I like his take on the photographer. Like he yeah. plays like he's like. And I like that he's like, because he's a modern photographer, right? So it's not like a still guy. He's mm-hmm. got a camera that's like taking all the pictures over and over again. It's like, this guy would be annoying just to have around you. Like, like what, is the, what does the priest need pictures for? All right, he's taking all the pictures. Sure, why not? But like, he has a good attitude about it. And then he loses his head. He's the best thing in the, in the remake. He's yeah. the only one thing that stands out that like, okay, yeah, he's putting something into this. That's really, mm-hmm. that's it. I, I, you know, Todd, I, I got to agree with you too. I think two and three are a little, yeah, they're kind of, they depends on the, my mood. Cause you know, Sam, yeah. come on. Yeah. I think, I think, like I say, two's got the better kills. I think mm-hmm. three's got some more intriguing concepts, but they just, you know, aren't, aren't fulfilled the way you want them to. That's yeah. Yeah. That's my take. I agree. I, I like, so basically I like... we got one, one good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like two a good I, deal. I like two. Yeah. I think Brandon and I like two a good mm-hmm. deal more than you guys because I, I do think, I think it, yeah. it operates one really good movie movies. and two that are fine. I mean, yeah. yeah, one is obviously like yeah, that's fair as, as far as this goes. But I, I was I was surprised by how much I was taken by two, um, and then the others I was not surprised that I wasn't as taken. By them, but they <laughs> they exist. Um, they do well. I think we've I think we've done it, guys. I think we've talked all about the Omen as much as we can for today um so yeah that's we're gonna we're gonna leave it there um i will say uh next week we do plan to get to final destination so pretty similar <laughs> as far as um <laughs> death being uh you know and tony todd comes back very so, revealing so, yes, we get our second tony todd franchise in here too, where so. we mesh yes. week one and week two together uh-huh. and uh, we will have a special guest for that episode also so be prepared uh, for all that but until then until next time where can people find more of your guys's work on the interwebs jimmy let's start with you uh, you can find me at joeblow.com. We live entertainment. You can find me on Cosm with the, uh, Sound Scary, my series uh, with Ryan Coltrera and my podcast, Something Stony. And I do want to give a quick plug because we did mention Halloween 5. For uh, We do have a special Sound Scary coming up at, where we we interviewed Dwight Little at Halloween Horror Nights and got to go through the Halloween 4 maze with him. So it's a lot of fun. Cool. So I'm looking forward to that episode. Yeah, he's a nice guy like them todd liebenau where can people find more of you so the blog is called forgotten films it's at forgottenfilmcast.wordpress.com the podcast is the forgotten Filmcast, and then my other podcast is about disney movies and it's called walt sent me great brandon peters uh, you can find me at the brandon peters show which is the brandon peters show.com my social media is at brandon 4k uhd on both twitter and instagram and uh, my Blu-ray reviews are at weissorblue.com. I'm here all month on out now with Aaron and Abe. Also, you can find all 10 episodes of Damien on Hulu. <laughs> there you go. Again, Still another learning. reason I need to get Hulu. <laughs> Jeez. Um, you can find me all over the place, obviously, hosting this podcast. I'm on leaveentertainment.com for all my movie reviews. Weiss the Blue for Blu-ray and Criterion reviews, occasionally on Variety. 
And I'm also on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. You can find all the episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Audio Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you can find podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, email us at gmail.com. I got to not forget the fact that I teased a horror contest and I will try to have something uh, together uh, for uh, the listeners to enter into because there's, there's plenty of stuff sitting around my room that's horror related that I can send out to a lucky winner. But um, and until I think of something and until next week's episode, I want to thank Brandon, Todd, and Jimmy for joining me to discuss The Omen this evening. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank, thank you. you. It was all for you. <laughs> well, thank, well, thank you. I won't lose my head over Don't that Don't jump, compliment. Todd. Jump. No. Too late. But that is uh, going to do it for this week's episode, this bonus episode for the month. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Oh.